everybody, and welcome to another episode of The List. As always, my name is Brett, and on the other end of the tin can and string is Jordan. Jordan, I thought we'd be celebrating a victory Monday. <sighs> Unfortunately, as we know, that wasn't the case. I know you were hurting yesterday. How are you feeling today, dude? This was definitely uh, the game that so far in the three losses has uh, frustrated me the most. Um, it's been a nice 24 hours or so, I guess, with the game being early, closer to 30 hours since uh, the game ended. And it's been interesting to dive into um, really what went down. But this is definitely the most frustrated and the most upset uh, I've been in three losses. Yeah, no, I feel that. And of course, uh, as always, Zach Jackson is uh, producing the show. But yeah, I definitely say frustrated. I think, absolutely. I think uh, I was most angry at the Bills loss because that was just a total beatdown. I was frustrated by the Eagles because of how bad the refs were. This game, definitely the most frustrated with the team because I feel like the better team didn't win. Just to give an idea, I saw on Twitter today, the Dolphins held Kansas City to their lowest yard total in over two years. We held Travis Kelsey to three receptions for 14 yards. The highest receiver was Noah Gray for the Chiefs, and I didn't even know who Noah Gray was. But, man, so many mistakes from the team. I actually was very happy with the defense, but we just couldn't get anything going offensively. Yeah, I think you – put the nail on the head. Um, you you can't be mad at the defense for what went down yesterday. Um, to me, the reason I'm the most frustrated, and you alluded to it, um, is I feel like we're better than them. Um, I feel like we, are, we have the ability to beat them, um, and I much would have rather had that playoff game at home. Uh, now there's still a lot of time left in the regular season. Um, the NFL is weird. A lot can happen, but you never – like dropping a game like that to a team that you'll see down the line that you feel like you should have won. Um, it's it's different for me than the Buffalo game um, because the Buffalo game, uh, they were the more motivated team. We got them um, kind of on a come down from us scoring 70 points. Um, this one, you kind of felt like we were going to give them our best punch. Um, I don't like the fact that in each of the three games against good teams, we're losing early in the game. Um, I think that's a, a trend that I don't really um, like at this moment. Uh, but this is definitely the game that has um, upset me the most just because I feel like we're better. Uh, I feel like the offense, which has been so good, um, let us down a little bit. Um, and I feel like McDaniel showed a, a, a couple flaws here. Um, that have become trends over a couple losses. Yep. And we'll take a little bit of a deep dive into the offense in a second. Um, I did want to go back to the defense real quick. The one complaint I had, and it was the second it was the uh, second touchdown drive for the Chiefs, 95-yard drive, and it wasn't even the fact that it was a 95-yard drive. The issue I had with that drive, Jordan, and maybe it was just me, but it felt like we were dropping Bradley Chubb and Jalen Phillips into coverage a lot more than we should have. They're both getting a lot of pressure. Taylor and Smith could not block them. It was They were causing issues for Patrick Mahomes. I have never seen Patrick Mahomes whine as much as he did uh, yesterday, and it was actually both annoying and funny because I never thought of him like that. But that's the one complaint I have with defense. Like the first drive, first drive, they recovered. 
that second touchdown drive, it just felt like they went too much into coverage. Then you had the blown – someone made a – had a blown opportunity in zone. At least I think so. It looked like David Long was playing zone, and I couldn't tell if it was Baker or, like, Cater Cahoo or a safety or Needham. I didn't see who the other person was, but it looked like they were playing man, and it allowed McKinnon uh, – McKinnon, McKinnon, excuse me, to get open for that second touchdown. So that was really my only complaint. But after that, Fangio called an amazing game. Yeah, I thought Fangio called a great game. I was, first of all, I was screaming at my TV every time we dropped Bradley Chubb in coverage. Um, there was a one play that, got, that he got called for holding. I mean, I remember saying that that wasn't Bradley Chubb's fault. That was Fangio's fault for putting him in that situation. Um, Chubb and Phillips should be pass rushers. We got to find ways to get Van Ginkle on the field even more. Um, I think he's definitely, um, PFF ranked him as our fifth best defender. But he makes a ton of plays, especially in coverage. Um, he had the second highest coverage rating on the team behind Xavier Howard. I mean, I think on passing downs, uh, if you're going to rush the passer, I mean, you can you can't get too predictable. But you got to think uh, if you're going to rush the passer, put in Chubb. If you're going to drop into coverage, uh, put in Van Ginkle. Uh, Van Ginkle, like I said, had the second highest coverage rating on the team. Um, it looks like, from my first glance, uh, that Bradley Chubb had the worst coverage rating on the team. Um, I don't take that as fault to Bradley Chubb. Um, just like I don't take a lot of things um, on the offense at the fault of the players. I think McDaniel and I think Fangio um, both had equal parts in us losing this game, um, along with the one or two plays that you could point to from Tyreek Hill. But that's a difference between really good teams in the NFL. It's one or two plays. Um, and on Sunday, the Dolphins didn't make any of those plays that could have been considered the one or two. Yep. And you mentioned Tyreek Hill. I think most of my frustration went to him because of how much he talked last week. And I know he was just having fun with it. But when you talk that much, you got to back it up. And it wasn't a bad game, but for him and what he's given us, that was probably his worst game as a Dolphin, at least with two. I'm not including having Skylar Thompson or Teddy Bridgewater as the quarterback because that's unfair. But I felt like the story of the first half was – Tua would put the ball where it needed to be, and we had drops, or players would lose the ball in the air. Um, of course, the big play was we're going down for a touchdown, or at least points. I don't want to assume touchdown. We do a weird screen play, and in this drive, the old issue we had last year with McDaniel's offense is we were getting to play in late. It felt hurried. The only complaint I have, I know some people are arguing whether or not that was a catch on the fumble that ended up being the difference. We lost because that was a touch. They, a Casey returned it for a touchdown, but I was, I didn't really notice if it was an incomplete or not. My big concern with that play was I was kind of shocked that the refs didn't blow it dead for forward progress, but that's a nitpick. Uh, the other issue with the offense, of course, is you could tell the offensive line was out of sync. Uh, Taron Armstead had a decent game. He was our third highest rated offensive player, but it felt like the communication between him and Robert Jones was way off. Kansas, uh, Kansas City kept bringing a late blitzer from the slot, and they were beating they were beating him each time. It was it was a trend. Um, Robert Jones had a rough day. Yes, he got hurt, um, but he was our lowest rated player of like on offense, and I believe on the team as a whole, uh, which was kind of shocking to me. 
On the other end, I didn't think he had a good game, but shout out to Lester Cotton. He was the second rated player on offense and third overall on the team. And I didn't think he was that was that good, or at least it felt like we couldn't run behind Cotton and Austin Jackson like we could Robert Hunt. But the left side, definitely you could tell that there was issues between Robert Jones and Taron Armstead. Yeah, I think the offensive line as a whole um, you could point to. But I think that the problem with the offense um, starts with McDaniel getting the plays in so late. Um, it makes it very difficult for the players to communicate at the line of scrimmage in an offense where communication at the line of scrimmage is so important. Um, that's probably the most important thing in this offense. Um, being able to motion, being able to go over those option reads. Um, you, you saw it come up late in the game, and I know we're going to talk about that play. Um, but you saw frustration and trying to get plays in and hurry to get plays in it makes it so difficult, um, especially in that type of game, uh, to have those explosive plays that this offense needs. Uh, they have to find a way to shorten that process. Um, it cost them last year in the playoff game at Buffalo. It cost them here on Sunday. They have to find a way to streamline that process so that the offensive line can adjust, so that the receivers and Tua can get on the same page, that we can run our full motion and then get into our play smoothly. I think that's if, – if you look at the team as a whole and say, what can we do better coming out of the bye, it's that process right there. Yeah. No, and um, I will say this. Shout out to Liam Meichenberg as well, because I actually think when he came in for the injured uh, Robert Jones, we actually looked better running the ball. And I maybe had one of his best passing games, uh, block pass blocking games and run blocking in limited minutes. Looks like he was a uh, 64.4 overall, so just just above average as a block as a blocker. So if uh, Win isn't ready, which I don't think he will be after the bye, I kind of think Ike is going to be the favorite to start at left guard. Uh, and before we get into the, the plays we're going to talk about, because I feel like that's the elephant in the room, we do have to discuss those. Um, this was a game, again, where I feel the two things this offense is definitely missing is a physical presence in the receiving game. Whether it is a tight end or a big body wide receiver, it just feels like against these physical defenses, we're missing that. Maybe that's Claypool expecting him to be ready with what the what this offense is after a couple weeks was being overly optimistic so hopefully after the bye he can be that but it just feels like especially because Robbie Chosen is is such a bad blocker we're not even activating him anymore we're having to use Barrios more as a blocker Claypool's probably not ready and he's gonna have to be a blocker so at the same time we're we're also missing Craycraft a lot more, and I think people realize just because we don't have those people who will just sit in the soft spots of the zone right now. Yeah, I think coming out of the bye, um, it's going to be very important for Claypool to get on the same page um, and really learn the playbook and become prepared. Um, I think that's what you're going to look to see. Um, obviously, they don't they don't trust Robbie Chosen unless it's an emergency. I um, mean, I think he'll be in there more. Um, in a situation where Tyreek or Waddle get injured, um, and you need to stretch the field. Um, but getting Craycraft back is going to be important. Um, and I think you're also missing uh, A-Chan a ton because Mostert's the kind of guy 
uh, that's not going to give you 100% of the snaps, that Moser works best in a tandem. And I don't think Jeff Wilson's ready right now. Ahmed, I think, is what he is. He's an average running back, but this offense really needs a game-breaker. Um, and I think being able to get A-Chan back in a couple weeks, you're going to see this offense go back to what it was, um, and you're going to see Mostert get better because of it. Yeah, and you mentioned Ahmed. I was actually looking at a scouting report from him for him from Washington, his Washington days, and we're kind of seeing the issue is if everything's blocked well and he doesn't have to think, he's fairly effective, but this is very much a one-cut uh, running game. The holes aren't that big, and if you don't see it right away, they're going to close right away, and I think you really saw a difference in a few runs where the play went for negative or no yards with Ahmed that I think, if not a big game just because a big game because HN just has that ability, but it's a three or four yard game just because he has better, not just better vision, but he's better at breaking tackles. Because early on, I, I forget if it was our second or third drive, but with uh, Ahmed, I don't know if you remember this this play, Jordan, but we ran the exact same play for him that we ran for HN twice in the Denver game that resulted in two touchdowns, the no-look shovel pass uh, screen play. And yeah. it was well-blocked. It was well-blocked. There was one guy that Ahmed had to miss, and if it's not a first if, – if it's not a touchdown because it was so well-blocked, it would have at least been a first down. But Ahmed couldn't break the one tackle, and it was a two-yard – two-yard gain, if that, and we punt it. So I so I agree with you there. You're definitely seeing the level, the uh, quality dip between Achan and Ahmed. And it does, especially because most of it was banged up coming into this game, it definitely did make a difference in the run game. Yeah, I think that the common theme that we're going to talk about is, is this team getting healthy um, and this team regrouping over the next couple of weeks because they have an opportunity – I mean, we could blink um, and be 11-3 and three, um, coming out of the bye um, over the next six weeks. We could really um, make some noise with Vegas at the Jets, at Washington, Tennessee, and the Jets again. Um, you buckle down. You figure things out. Um, you have an opportunity to really separate yourself. Uh, you have Buffalo struggling. Uh, the Jets have a tough schedule coming up. Um you really have an opportunity to win the division. I mean, regroup after the, these tough three games. I mean, put those losses to good teams behind you. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, now we got to talk about the elephant in the room. Uh, two plays that actually caused a lot of discourse, not just in our Discord the last 24 hours, but also on Dolphin Twitter. And Jordan, I just want to go play at a time. Of course, the third down play late in the game and then the fourth down play. What we saw, what we were told, and what we think happened. So, third down, Kansas City shows blitz. Two IDs, the man coverage. Blitz is coming. Two gets rid of it quick. Weird ball that comes out. Looks like Cedric Wilson beats his, his man right away. Would have been a walk-in touchdown. But it falls short. It was weird. It was a very weird play. I know you, and I'm sure you're going to talk about it a little bit. Uh, your initial response seemed to be feeling that Tua should have improvised there. The explanation that Tua and McDaniel gave, well, Tua said he read the play one way, and he called for an out. 
to be called. So an adjustment. And Cedric Wilson didn't hear it. McDaniel says, yes, Tua made the call for the adjustment, but it's on him, as in McDaniel, because as we talked about earlier, the plays were getting in late and Tua and Cedric shouldn't have been in this situation. So they're saying there's miscommunication. I don't know if you saw the tweet and the video that Brian Baldinger posted on his Twitter, but looking at it, he thinks, and I actually am thinking this now too, that the communication was not that, and that it looks like the ball just slipped out of Tua's hand. Uh, but this is definitely a play that has caused a lot of discourse. I think a lot of people are talking about Tua's arm strength, which I don't think was an issue. Like, it just... I don't know how to describe it. It just looked weird. And the fact, it makes me think that the ball definitely fell out of his hand or slipped. He lost the grip. Because even if he was throwing it out, you don't throw it out like that, like he did. So I think the, if you're going to make like a pie chart of where the fault goes for that play, um, I think the biggest chunk of it goes to McDaniel. Because I think if the play would have gotten in earlier and they would have had more time at the line of scrimmage, um, I think at that point you would have been able um, to have that communication and and figure out um, what was going on. Um, the offensive line could have better located the blitz. Um, and uh, Wilson and Tua could have gotten on the same page. Um, I think secondly, um, it goes on Tua. You, as a quarterback, you have your signal you give to a receiver. Um, but in a lot of instances, there's a signal that the receiver needs to give back. Um, kind of that they've heard or understand um, a nod, a thumbs up, a pat, um, whatever it is. I don't know if that happened. Um, but I think that if he would have had more time in a perfect scenario, I mean, Tua would have read that there was a blitz coming. Um, I still think the best option would have been for a dump off to to uh, Jeff Wilson. Um, I think if you look at, yeah, I know I, I showed some snapshots, but even if you look at it, um, kind of just from a watching film perspective, I'm um, going to what to do in the future. Um, I think that dump off would have picked up six, seven yards. Um, it would have put us in a position uh, to get it on fourth down. Um, and I know we're going to talk about the fourth down play next, I assume. Um, but I think that going into it fourth and 10 uh, gave it a much more difficult situation. And the goal there on third down really should have been to pick up six, seven. However, Cedric Wilson burned his guy. Cedric Wilson was behind his guy. That is a pass very eerily similar, similar to the pass Tua made in the national championship game as a freshman. Cedric Wilson, over the last couple games, has been very, very good um, at catching deep balls, um, jump balls. He's won a few of them. Yeah, already in that game. And I think that in that position, like – and it's a low, it's a little percentage of it, but a little tiny percentage of it is two has got to be a killer in that situation. Now, I think he can do it. I think he's shown it in the Baltimore game and in other instances where he's been a killer. And I think it's okay to say that he just, he didn't make the killer throw um, in that moment. And I think it's something for him to build on. Um, I don't think in all our losses, um, I think that's really the first instance that he had a chance to make a killer throw. Um, but and he didn't try it. Right. Um, 
And so you uh, you take it for what it's worth and you move on. I don't think there's an issue with Tua. I think he's just got to um, – we, we got to get the play in faster so that they can make a better decision um, and have more time to figure things out at the line. Yeah, and also I think McDaniel mentioned it. Uh, they installed that – what Tua called or what, what he called was based off of a look they had seen Kansas City do on film. So part of me thinks hearing that as well, I think Kansas City ended up not doing what they expected. So, And on that it, note, props to, props to Steve Spagnuolo, who called a great game against us. And that no, defense did, played really, really well. He absolutely did, did. And even though you and I both picked us to win, Sebastian didn't. So that dog still has an unbelievable record. And I dislike him for that just right now. Love the dog, but I hate him right now because um, he makes us look bad every week. But uh, the the question there you have then is maybe to a misread it, or maybe it was just Spagnola tried to bait him, and then the corner just got burnt. So it's one of those weird things. But I mentioned earlier in our Discord too, we won a game last year because Josh Allen threw a ball three yards uh, into the dirt to a guy who was wide open on a five-yard pass. Even the best quarterbacks miss easy throws or make the wrong read. So I'm not going to give him too much crap for that. Because honestly, at the same time, to give to a lot of credit, I think this is one not one of the best games. It was far from one of his best games. But I think in a lot of situational play, he showed a lot more safe and intelligent play, for lack of a better word. Like, they were talking on a broadcast, he missed Waddle on a third down. May have been a fourth down, but I think it was third down that he was, he was streaking down the field uncovered. But we needed the first down. We didn't have momentum. And I think he ended up hitting Cedric Wilson a player or two later, long. But I, I really liked what I saw from Tua most of the game, just being smart and knowing when to calm the offense down, especially when this is – excuse me, one of the plays, one of the games where things really weren't going on around him. So I do think overall Tua was a very common presence, and I am proud of him for that. Just frustrating to see that play. Now the fourth down play. Oh, go ahead, Jordan. Did you just call Josh Allen one of the best quarterbacks? And Did I hear that? You said Josh Allen made a bad throw, so even the best quarterbacks make bad throws? He is. I think it is hard to debate that Josh Allen isn't one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL, but he also turns the ball over quite a lot too. And people okay. just got to understand that too. Just, just needed you to put it in perspective. Yes. The point is, is we saw Patrick, Patrick Mahomes had one of his worst days against us. He's Patty Mahomes is not even having one of his best seasons either. Like, yeah, yeah no, that's two weeks in a row that he's had really, really difficult weeks. He essentially two weeks in a row, um, really struggled um, and did absolutely nothing in the second half of the game. Um, I don't know if that was something the defense is doing um, or if he's just in a little bit of a rut um, and that offense is in a rut. Um, but the Dolphins took Travis Kelsey out of the game yesterday, uh, and it was very difficult after the first couple drives um, for the Chiefs to move the ball down the field. It was it was very nice to see from our defense. Yeah. No, I was definitely very proud of him. It's the defense we kind of were expecting to get. 
David Long continues to just get better and better to the point where I would argue he's playing at a Pro Bowl level. Not quite all pro, but definitely a Pro Bowl level. Um, so that's very encouraging to see. Uh, now into the fourth down play. Jordan, I've gone back and forth on this. Seeing it live, my first thought was, all right, bad snap. We knew it was going to cost us. Then I go onto Twitter. I see a view from behind. And my thought is, oh, it wasn't a great snap. It was off to the right. It had a lot of pepper on it. And Tua closed his hands too early. And I was like, okay, that's kind of on Tua. But then I saw another replay today, again, from Brian Baldinger. And it was from the viewpoint where you're looking at Tua. And then you actually see just how far off the snap was. And it was a lot farther to the right than I thought it was from other views. So I think, again, this mostly goes, once again, like we've been talking about, we got to play in late. I think we were hurrying. And you got to play in late coming out of a timeout. Yeah. So Tua, I think the issue was, again, we got to play in late. Tua and Connor were both just rushing to try and beat the delay of game. Because at that point, it would have been either use the last timeout or a 10-second runoff. We got late. Now, I know some people are saying it wouldn't have mattered because Lester Cotton got beat off the snap. My argument to that would be if everybody's on the same page and if we're not hurrying, maybe Lester Cotton doesn't get beat right away. So I I think this is one where I've gone back and forth whose fault it is. Could to have caught it? Yes. Was it a bad snap? Yes. But again, mentioned it's something that we we saw we struggled with so much last year. And for the most part, this year has been gone, but it had – it showed up in the two the final two minutes of both halves yesterday. Late plays coming in and rushing to get them through. And I think you're looking at a potential 14-point swing there, and that's the difference between us maybe winning the game by two touchdowns, maybe getting 10 points there at minimum. So, yeah, those the two minutes of both halves definitely, to me, cost us because of late play calls. Yeah, and that's crazy because early in the year, we were talking about how one of the best parts, um, and the things we loved about McDaniel was that we were getting those points at the end of halves, especially the end of the first half of the Chargers game, I think back to um, as an example. And now it's turned into a little bit of a struggle. I think McDaniel um, is going to clean a lot of that up over the uh, bye week. Um, and I think we'll we'll really see this team um, take another step as we go through this five-week stretch of kind of I, I don't know if we go five and zero, oh, but a couple lighter opponents um, and that end of the season run where you have Dallas, Baltimore, Buffalo is going to be extremely important for the Dolphins uh, to build some momentum going into the playoffs. Yep. So now for the next couple of weeks, what's going to suck is we're going to have to hear how the Dolphins cannot beat a winning team. We are now. 0-3 against teams with winning records. It is valid to an extent. It's uh, valid. It's valid. It is it's valid. valid. It is valid. Um, but I am going to, later on through the uh, Twitter slash X feed, I am going to tweet an older Reddit post that got brought to my attention today. And it's by... I forget the author's name, but it basically compares guts and stomps. And for those who don't know, 
A gut is considered a one-score win, so eight or fewer points, against a team that eventually finishes over 500. And a stomp is a win by 14 or more points against a team that will finish under 500. But then you also have a skate, which is a one-score win against a team that will finish under 500. And a domination, we have a 13-point win against a team that finishes over 500. And it's an actual interesting thread, so I do want to share it with our listeners, share it with you, Jordan, um, later, because it actually does show that winning against teams with winning records doesn't really matter when it comes to late playoff runs. In fact, teams that have winning records against quote-unquote good teams in the regular season actually tend to struggle when it comes to the playoffs, traditionally. Do you think that's a mindset thing? Do you think that teams that win the games in the regular season think they're going to beat the opponent um, and teams that lose in the regular season come in with more motivation? I think it's a bit of both. I think... You learn from your mistakes better than you learn from your successes? Some of that. I think part of it also is, and I think this is... I think a big part for some of the struggles, too, is... McDaniel is taking a very conservative approach with injuries. I honestly don't think Armstead is a little different, but I think there have been times where Connor Williams, Robert Hunt, even HN now. I think HN's, I, I don't know this. I'm just saying based off my thought. I think if he would have gotten the same injury late in the season, that he'd be playing right now. If this, if this that, was. Yep, that's what I was getting at. I think we're being super conservative with injuries. I think some of the people who went on IR wouldn't have gone on IR. If it was later in the season, I think they want to have everybody for the stretch run. It is a long season. I mean, just to kind of put into perspective, our buy is basically a little after, but it's basically the halfway point for the season. So I think part of it is they want to have everybody healthy and be playing the best game late. But I will also go to the uh, Patriots, who went 18-0. and then lost in the Super Bowl for the Giants. They talked about how much pressure they had and how, because uh, they were just trying to go undefeated, how much pressure they had going into the playoffs. And it, you saw they started to struggle in the playoffs, and then it just came to a head against the Giants in the Super Bowl. So I do think part of it is the mindset, and it just to be the that, that good all the time is exhausting. And I think one of the reasons you kind of saw it last year with Kansas City is they took they ended up getting the one seed, but they looked very weird and very lethargic early kind of like this year but a little better because of juju smith schuster basically uh, as a wide receiver but you saw last year they were just like get through the first half and then turn it up in the second half so i think part of it is teams exert a lot of energy early but i'm interested to see if that is how it goes uh so i am going to get that out because it is it is a very interesting read plus i think a big thing is momentum like we saw last year Buffalo went into the mindset they were going to try and win the MVP for Josh Allen. And we saw it affect them. They came out really like gangbusters early, even though they had a loss to the Jets. Destroyed us. But the injuries are catching up with them, and it just doesn't look the same for them. And we can talk about them in a little bit, too. But to go along, a couple stats I saw from Twitter today. Because we know that the talk is about us being 0-3 against winning teams. Ty, at Tyreek MVP on Twitter tweeted this these stats out earlier that it's not to him it is not 
a we can't beat good teams situation. It's that we can't win on the road right now. Since Mike McDaniel became head coach of the Miami Dolphins, do you know what our home record is? Uh, I'm, I assume what you're going to tell me is something very good. It is nine and one. The one loss being Christmas Day when Tua got a concussion. Wow. Our away record is five and seven. We played Buffalo away, loss. Philly away, loss. And the Chiefs at a neutral field, but it was basically Arrowhead in Germany. So, Jordan, hearing that, do you think this is more a – well, how much do you think is it is we got to learn to beat good teams, and how much of it do you think is we have to learn to play away from hard rock? Uh, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I don't know how much specifically is on uh, playing at hard rock. I mean, there's definitely something for sleeping in your own bed, preparing at home, not having to deal with travel. Um, right now, to me, and, and you could correct me if you think I'm wrong, um, I, I see us as an undisciplined team. Um, a, a lot of penalties, um, a lot of snap infractions, a lot of delayed games, a lot of having to rush timeouts. Um, those type of things scream undisciplined, struggling at the end of halves. Um, and I, I think that that type of play um, doesn't travel well. Um, so I, I think that that's kind of accounting for what you see. Um, it, it's nice being a season ticket holder to know that we're very good at home. <laughs> I think that it, it's fun to go to games that you win. Um, but at the same time, I mean, you look at the home games we've had this season. We've played what? The Giants, the Panthers, the Patriots, the Broncos? Yep. Those, that, that's the four home games. So, yeah, you you went 5-1 and one last year, whatever it is, to make the stat. Um, but those are games you should win. So uh, until you start beating good teams at home, um, we'll, we'll see. I mean, you have a couple coming up. Um, the Jets are better than people think. Um, the Cowboys aren't bad. Um, you're going to have the Bills at home week 18. Um, so I, I think there's going to be a lot of um, a, a lot of time to see if that home and away split means something. Um, but that shows that it's that much more important to win a game like yesterday, so you can get home field in the in the playoffs. Because if you're nine and one at home, if you're eventually going to be 14 and one at home, whatever it's going to be. 13 and two at home under McDaniel, it, w- it would definitely help to get a home playoff game or two. Yeah. And a uh, real quick shout out to Larry. I guess the stats were wrong. We actually have two home losses with the uh, one being to Minnesota last year. So I didn't see that. So still, still a really good home record. Um, another stat I saw for your stats that are a narrative to kind of show or more to go from the glass half empty to the glass half full mindset. Cause everybody knows I, I like to preach positivity. The Dolphins and the Eagles are the only teams in the NFL undefeated at home. Um, And this comes from self-made 0602. So Mike Williams on Twitter slash X. The Eagles road opponents. Well, so we'll go with this since these are the only two home teams with home undefeated at home. The Eagles, of course, have one loss to the Jets. Do you know what the Eagles road opponents so far this season's record is, Jordan? Uh, I bet you it's a lot worse than the Dolphins opponents record. Yep, so the Patriots, so the Eagles have played the Patriots, the Buccaneers, the Rams, the Jets, and Commanders, who are 16 and 24. 
The Dolphins have played the Chargers, the Patriots, the Bills, the Eagles, and the Chiefs. So 25 and 18. So yes, we are 0-3 so far against teams with a winning record. But when you consider that we have five road games, that makes a difference. And we are not playing a very easy road schedule so far. But second half of the year, we're, we're shaping up to have some a lot of home games too. So we're seeing these records. So there is reason for positivity going forward. Yeah, I think there's reason for positivity, but I think at the same time, you got to win a couple games. you got to win games against good teams for people to start believing in you. Um, I, I'm not worried. I think the Dolphins still have an opportunity um, to make noise and even potentially win a Super Bowl. But before I'm going to openly pick us to beat a team like Baltimore, uh, to beat a team like Kansas City in the playoffs, I got to I gotta believe that we can do it. I got to believe that we could clean up a couple things. But the potential's there. We have the potential to win the Super Bowl. It's just on the people that are in-house right now um, to make the necessary adjustments to do it. It's a lot easier said than done. Um, I believe we can do it, but it, it remains to be seen if we do. Yeah. And uh, real quick before we go to adding people to the list, I, I feel like this is definitely a show where we we want to talk about the the team. And it, it sucked. Like, I try and be positive, but I don't think anybody really felt happy after the game. I was happy to see fight from the team because I felt like we laid down against Buffalo or tried to do too much and kind of self-imploded. And I kind of thought the same thing against Philly. So I, I was happy to see the fight and not see us beat our – well, we did beat ourselves, but not – make things worse with turnovers and getting sacked and everything. So I did like that. But what did help ease the pain a bit is we've, I don't know about you, Jordan, but anytime I'm on Twitter and X, whatever you want to call it, I just hear Buffalo fans barking about how we're fake. Well, the playoffs start today. One of us would be, one of our teams would be in the playoffs and it wouldn't be them. Yeah. The bills, uh, the bills are in a little bit of trouble. I think you can put officially put them on watch um, on the on the edge of that playoff race. I mean, teams like Cleveland and the Jets, their defenses are playing so well um, that that Buffalo's got to start winning some games, or else this is going to get very very interesting down the stretch. Buffalo has a very tough schedule coming up as well. They do, and like we keep talking anytime we talk about Buffalo, which I feel sometimes we talk about them way too much, but we've said it so much. They have such so many key injuries that are long term and you can see it starting to affect their defense i'm seeing buffalo fans getting mad at leslie frazier because he decided to take the year off and they're saying he's cost that he closed their window because he couldn't coach one more season jordan you and i talked about this before we did the podcast we talked about this last year i've said i thought buffalo's best chance to win the super bowl was two years ago once they lost Dable, I, I said their window's gone. They're starting to lose key players uh, from, from Aiden Edmonds last offseason. Uh, Singletary's gone. Zach Moss ends up becoming a great running back when he gets out of Buffalo. Who'd have thought that? Um, but you can't keep everybody. And they're not hitting on offense like they thought so. Like Gabe Davis hasn't taken that step to be a legit number two. Stephon Diggs, it always seems like he's any second away from becoming a locker room cancer. They forget James Cook exists most of the games. I saw a stat earlier in the Discord that since October 1st, they have one 
non-Josh Allen touchdown. And that was a rushing touchdown by Cook on like in the first game of October. You can't win at least consistently when you're relying on one person to be Superman. You can get a good season out of that, like we saw with Cam Newton in his MVP season where he took the Panthers to the Super Bowl. But once it gets away from being that team, it's downhill and it's downhill real quick. It, the crazy part to me about Buffalo, and like you mentioned about the run game, is it seems like they just forget that they can run the ball sometimes. Um, and, and James Cook's a good running back. Um, Latavius Murray's been playing decent for them. Uh, they now have Leonard Fournette. Um, they have the ability to run the ball. And I'd like to see them, uh, not I'd like to see them, I hope they don't because I don't want them to make the playoffs. But if they're going to be successful, they need to have more of a balance because they literally just, some. you, you could say some teams go away from the run or whatever, but they literally just forget the run exists. Um, and it's to their detriment a lot of times. Yeah. And I'm of the theory, I'm of the theory that one of two things, if not both, are happening. Ken Dorsey is either A, trying to win Josh Allen the MVP because for some reason a couple years ago when Josh Allen did not get the – I forget if it was that he didn't get the number one player in the NFL Network's top 100 players or he wasn't like top five. Buffalo took that way more personally than they should have, and they're trying to prove that wrong for some reason. Or but he's two, not going to win MVP. He's not. But I feel like ever since then that's become the goal is rather than to win, it's to get Josh Allen MVP because it shows up in the play calling because a couple years ago – Dable called plays to win, even if that meant Josh Allen didn't get the best stats and he ended up having better stats. Now it feels like they're forcing that. Two, and this one I'm also leaning to because I've seen too many coaches do this, I almost feel like Ken Dorsey's trying too hard to put his name in the hat to become a head coach. Which he's not going to be able to with the way he's going. Um, I I think that the way you get those positions um, is by – just continuing to do things that are successful. Um, I think when you overdo it, it really comes back to bite you. Uh, and I think that's what you see with Ken Dorsey right now. Um, he's closer, I think, at least to getting fired than he is to getting a head coaching job. I think there are a bunch of offensive coordinators that I think are going to get jobs before him. Um, that's not even to mention the defensive coordinators that are ahead of him, the former head coaches, the college coaches. Um, I, I think that if, if he's going to get a job, he might – or if he's really looking to be a head coach like that, uh, I think he should look to jumping down to the college level <laughs> at this yeah. point. And talking about the offensive and defensive coordinators, I'm just going to use that to tease an article you have in mind for later this week on uh, listpodcast.com there as well, right? Yeah, I, I'm going to dive into um, kind of the coaches that are on the hot seat um, and then the the coaches that would also be good fits for those teams. Um, I did a little bit of a deep dive uh, into the Raiders' potential coaching search, as I know we talked about last week. Um, and now I'm going I'm to do it uh, for some teams that might be looking for a head coach, whether it's this year um, or even early next year. Yeah. And real quick, would you say Ben Johnson is probably the hottest name right now uh, in the coaching circles? Yeah, for teams that are going to be looking for um, offensive coaches, I think that's the direction you're going to see a lot of teams go in. Um, I think that he's – from an offensive coordinator standpoint, he's got to be either him or Frank Smith um, are probably the two hottest names right now. Yep. So definitely look, be on lookout listpodcast.com for that article. Um, Jordan, I think we have gotten all our frustrations out from this game. 
We are going to talk more. We got some good ideas for next for Thursday or Wednesday's show and Monday's show next week because it's going to be a buy. I think it's time to put some people, a person or people on the list. Before I put someone on the list, did you have anybody you wanted to mention? No, I think over the next couple of weeks, we're going to have an opportunity to put um, a bunch of different names on this list. Um, so I, I think that it's better for the sake of time and, and for um, what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks to just leave it to, to your name. Okay. And of course, the list we are going with former NFL tight end. Now he is with FanDuel, I learned yesterday, Delaney Walker. So we all can agree Tua did not have his best game yesterday. That's fine. You, you can't always rely on a quarterback being Superman. Just said that earlier for Josh Allen. But for him to come out and say the Dolphins would be unstoppable if we didn't have Tua just shows that he took one too many hits to the head as an NFL player. Ooh. It's just, we let Tua down, the receivers let Tua down in the first half. Yes, Tua had maybe one bad play as we talked about the third down play, but we are not not winning because of Tua. So I will say this. Delaney Walker for just having a bad take and a game where Patrick Mahomes also didn't have a great game either. You cannot say that Tua is holding us back. So Delaney Walker, you just made the list. I, I think it's interesting because I, I don't understand how that narrative is seemingly only comes from people who haven't really watched us play. Um, so I think you see uh, people make that take and then try to watch the Dolphins and dissect and say, oh, two is not good, two is not good. And then they go at, they watch a whole game and they come out of it saying, oh, wow, um, actually Tua um, is better than I thought he was. So um, I agree Delaney Walker is list worthy. Uh, I think his comment uh, more than anything was just uneducated. Um, and I hope that he uh, does what he needs to do to get himself the, the proper help that he needs um, and watch some actual film. And um, also shout out to Blake Martinez, who uh, made our producer go on quite the rant. Uh, for those who don't know, and most of you don't know, Zach is very big into the card card world. And Blake Martinez, who retired from the NFL to join that world, just signed with Carolina Panthers. And uh, learned today he came out of retirement because he was banned from the card, card world for ripping off customers. And Jordan will back me up on this. Zach went on a great ramp before we started recording, and we missed the ramp, but we wanted to use that as part of the list because it was amazing and it explained a world that I'm not very familiar with. I think that you have to look at the people in the card world. Um, and it's so interesting, all these people that love um, collecting cards and keeping these uh, traditions and these games alive. Um, and it's such a, a nice community. I, I know a lot of people that sell cards, whether it's um, – TCGs, whether it's sports cards. Um, and, and I think that anybody um, that comes into that um, field and into that area with the the name that Blake Martinez did um, gets so popularly viewed. I mean, for somebody like that to scam so many people uh, is just horrible. 
Um, and I, I don't think an NFL team should have signed him. Um, and I think that there are a lot of guys out there who are more deserving um, of one of the 53 spots on one of the 32 teams than Blake Martinez. Yeah. That's good. We'll just put in honor of Zach. We'll put Blake Martinez on the list. Um, can't give you the rant he did, but we got your back, Zach. And we got all the Cardis. I don't know what you guys call yourself. I'm just going to say Cardis uh, back there. Cause Trekkies, uh, Bronies, whatever else you want to call them. So we got your back guys, but I think that's it for tonight's show. Jordan, you want to add anything or preview anything we got coming up in the next couple weeks? No, I think uh, I just hope everybody checks out list.com. A lot of people putting a lot of work um, to make those blogs, that website happen. So I hope everybody appreciates it. Keep following the Twitter, um, keep responding to us, keep communicating with us. Um, And I just look forward to getting through this bye week and watching the Dolphins win some football games again. Absolutely. This week might suck because there's no Dolphins and we lost, but it'll get better. For Jordan and Zach, my name's Brett. This is The List. We are watching. Zach, hit that music.